listen, I'm so excited to welcome Brian Saffington, President for the Retail Portfolio for Coca-Cola North America. Brian, welcome to CMO Pulse. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Tanya, thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here and excited to have, a, I think, a really great conversation. So thanks for having me. Timely question for you. Um, so we're here and for folks, uh, we're, we're pre-recording all of this. We're recording this on a Friday. Brian, how has your week been? And if you were to sort of reach back maybe two years ago in time, um, what what's different for you in life and how are you adjusting personally? Yeah, I, I think, you know, my week this week was actually a really exciting week. There was a lot more humanity in my life and not as much screen. I had the opportunity to spend some time <laughs> Uh, in the marketplace with some of uh, our, our teammates and leaders, people I haven't seen in person in almost two years. And so that was a really special moment for me and and for us. And I think the best times were just sitting and talking when we first got together and just laughing together. And, and those are those moments that um, you can have a little bit of that through a, a Teams call or a Zoom call, but it's it's really difficult to to impact that, and and I tell you, the work working with this kind of flexibility is really important, and we need to hold on to that. But we have to find those moments of connectivity and and those engagements across you know people. Uh, and so that's my week was great. Uh, not to mention today's my anniversary, so happy anniversary to my oh wife. My so it's a really big deal for uh, for us, uh, which is fantastic. But. Um, so it's it's a great it's a great week for me. I think the things that are different um, versus where things were maybe two years ago pre pandemic, uh, a few things really come to mind for me. I think I think the first is around intentionality. I thought that I was really intentional in the past, and the last two years um, with so much change and and differences happening in people's personal lives and health and safety. Um, I, I, I've really tried to be even more intentional with how I spend my time, um, how I am attempting to make a difference for the, the people that I engage with and what I think is important and making sure that's really where my priorities go. I, I, I had my family as a priority, but if I'm honest with myself, I didn't prioritize them that way, always in the way that I could have um, to be to, to have them be the priority. I am. And now, because of things and flexibility that we have, it's just different. I'm able to do that uh, in, in a much more intentional way. So intentionality is, is the first piece. I think the second piece is um, I have been surprised and learned more perhaps in the last two years um, than in some instances, the, my entire, you know, career, which is interesting to say, but I, we've learned so much about supply chain and the importance of not just just in time, but flexibility and the, the connectedness that we have across the entirety of our, of our business. If we want to be successful, if we've learned quite a bit around the resiliency of, people. And we've learned a lot about how if we trust people and we believe in people, and we give people the tools, they can do things. And so we've just really learned a lot um, over the course of the last couple of years. And so 
now for me, I'm, I'm trying to take the things I've learned. I'm trying to adjust my approaches. I'm trying to behave differently. I'm trying to remain really curious. Um, and then I think the third, the third area for me that I think is different than two years ago, uh, is being able to be with people. I mean, that's just, you know, being in a, in a, in a setting and, and trying to find the opportunities, uh, where you can have real connection and these digital interactions and it, and it can happen, but we started, you know, 18 months ago with like, let's do a happy hour with 40 people to try it. And nobody, really Over Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, like nobody really wants to do that. <laughs> There's two people talking on the call and everybody else is uncomfortable. So we, we've got to have the opportunity to, to find times to really, to really connect with the people that we work with. And, um, and so there was, there's less personal interaction, uh, that's not via video, but I think I'm much better now at how I engage and connect with people through technology. And thank, thank goodness we have this technology because it's allowed us all to continue to be productive, drive our businesses forward in ways that um, we never would have in the past. So, I'm going to dig in a little on what you said at the front, which is around humanity. And Mm -hmm. it is very hard to feel human when you're effectively this floating head in a box, right? And and we've all experienced it. You know, you talked about um, intentionality and really being deliberate about how you spend your time. How do you, how have you as a leader kept a pulse on your team and on your clients when maybe the opportunities to read body language or meta messages or others just aren't really there on Zoom? Like, can you talk a little about what you've had to hone or what you've developed to know where you need to be? Well, we can go back to some intentionality with that because I think for me, um, I, I took a lot of time to build out like how how do we get a pulse of the organization? What's our communication strategy? What sort of engagement do we need to have with not just the folks who report you know directly to me, but like the broad entire organization? Uh, and so I, I've had two roles in the pandemic. One where I was the leader of the group for about a year and one where I am brand new to the group. So uh, two different experiences, uh, one where people had a year to really get to know me and build trust with me. And one where I had some people in that group that I've worked with in the past and they, they did have some trust, but others that I needed to build trust with. And so for me, it really started with building trust and listening and building a plan to to find a way to make that happen. So there's several things that that I've done and and my leadership team's done. I think the first is for the people that are engaged, you know, part of my leadership team, I have my monthly connection one-on-ones, but we also have real-time conversations happening all the time and uh, and things of that nature. I, I also have been really intentional in the way that I set up my leadership calls to be much more inclusive on who we incorporate. So we have some, you know, multiple different different leaders, some people who report to me, some people don't, lots of cross-functional partners all coming in so that we can create transparency and connection. Uh, I focused a lot on either executing against the vision of the role that 
that this that a particular team plays within our overall company purpose of refreshing the world and making a difference and really bringing that to life with one group. When it was a new group and a new organization, we focused on building you know, uh, an agenda and a vision around the role that we play and engaging, interacting and letting every person have an opportunity to provide feedback through that by leveraging lots of different leaders to have conversations and bring that information forward. We've used things like Teams to to leave video messages and connect. And really importantly, I I have skip level sessions where we have four or five um, members of the team join me on a call and we have conversations. We ask how things are going. We listen. And then you have to have those folks that are willing to provide you with the unvarnished truth, um, um, but in a way that you can really hear it. Um, and Not a little to, more varnish, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think like, like the, they understand, they understand you and how to communicate to you. And can provide you the truth that you need to hear in a way. And you have to be really open to those. And what I've found is when you're open to that feedback in broad group sessions or in individual sessions, and then you change and adjust what you do based on that feedback, if it's positive and relevant feedback that that you, you know, need you really believe you need to take action again, it reinforces that. And then you build that trust. And you build that momentum. And so we have a lot of work to still do in, in my new organization um, because there's so many challenges that everybody's facing. But I I feel like I do have a, a relatively decent pulse on how people are feeling through the really deliberate actions that, that I'm trying to take and that my leader, the leadership team that I'm a part of is trying to take. Well, and it's it's a really interesting point that I want to accentuate. So you've spent, I believe, your entire career at the Coca-Cola company, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, at some point, do you just go, gosh, guys, like, just shouldn't people just trust me like I've been here? <laughs> but you talk so much about um, having to really deliberately coalition build and just be very purposeful around that. Um, how do you, like, how do you think about that as you continue to grow your own career path and how do you know how much of your time you should be spending inside versus outside? Because I assume that a big part of your role um, is also, you know, with your retailers and it's, I know you just recently released some exciting research around, you know, consumer perception of retailers and what they feel around ESG. Um, How do you get that balance, Ryan? Yeah, I, I I think for me it it does go back to sort of organizing and planning and then being willing to adapt. So um, my my inherent role isn't to lead a specific customer relationship, a specific retailer relationship. That's not what I've been tasked with doing. That's the role of the individual leaders um, that that lead those relationships. So, so my, my role is to help ensure they have the resources that they need, that they have the support that they need, that they can uh, have the questions and, and thinking happen, and that I can play the role that they need and want me to play uh, to help them support that, that, that retailer, that customer group. Um, and then 
I also have a role with industry that I need to play, but my role there is, is providing the perspective and the point of view of the Coca-Cola company and then listening and, and learning and bringing that back. And so I index quite a bit on establishing vision, agenda, and clarity for the holistic group, building organizational capability, um, ensuring that people are focused on the opportunities they have in the long term for their career to develop themselves and establishing strong sort of organizational capability and a clear vision to then start to to take strategies and tactics that that we have commercially and then generating those through uh, in a way that creates value for our retailers for our bottling system and for our own business so that we can we can win in the marketplace effectively and then within that and the effort going there, what you see happen uh, is those teams, um, when you empower them, can go out and have incredible conversations and do incredible work with their retailers. That then allows me to come in and play the role that they may need me to play um, with them to, to help build down that success. And so the, the balance for me is there's never a magic number of like, oh, it's 50, 50, 60, 40. It's about the intentionality on the first arm of things to say, let's set the vision, let's set the agenda, let's define where we're going. Let's make sure the culture is where it's need to be so we can have the trust to move with speed and work effectively. And then let's manage the multiple stakeholders that we have understand their needs, influence them. And then I will play a role across those stakeholders that the team points me at. So I over-index depending on what the need is in, in the moment, but I, I build in the flexibility to let myself do that. Well, and this, that, that ties in very nicely. I know you've um, spoken a few times about your concept of servant leadership, and it sounds like that grassroots approach of sort of assessing the needs and, and really being there is, is influencing how, how you're considering that balance. No, I, I think it is. I think, I think if you want to be successful, you have to have an incredible culture. And if the culture is about the wants and needs of the leader exclusively around their desires for what they want their individual future to be. There's just not really an opportunity to have long-term success that what I have seen and what I have read and what I have learned, and I'm open to changing my mind, but the experience that I have tells me that when you establish a purpose and a vision to strive towards something. And then as a leader, you are in service of the the delivery of that vision and the supporting the people and inspiring those um, that are part of, of, of the teams that you have responsibility for to move towards that. When you explain the why, when you drive towards that, that's when success is achieved. And it's a, it's a far, it's, it's a far better place for people to work, to be able to learn and grow and become their best, uh, where you have much more trust built, where psychological safety is available and where you can, you can not be afraid to make a mistake so that you actually learn from it. And so what servant leadership does is it makes it about the purpose and the people and not about yourself. And I'm not like perfect at that. There's, 
you know, I have plenty of times where I've made things about myself. And fortunately I have incredible wife who can help correct me and remind me, but I also have, you know, a group of people that I really trust that provide me feedback to make sure that I'm behaving in the way that I want to behave. Um, because it's every day, you know, I give trust freely. I don't make people earn my trust because I think that you're in a much better position when you give trust freely on the front end, um, to move faster, to get more done, to earn trust back. But every single day, especially when you're a leader leadership position, the standards for maintaining trust with people are very high. And so at any moment, any day, you could do something to break that trust. And it's a lot harder to build it back. And so you have to constantly um, make sure that you're behaving in the way that you claim you want to behave. I want to talk a little bit about your career trajectory because you have stayed at one company, which is not a common thing these days, and it has been an incredible trajectory for you. But when you started out at the Coca-Cola company, did you have a vision that one day you would be a president um, within the organization? And and if not, how did that evolve? And and what were some of the most influential moments that, uh, you know, that kind of brought you to, to where you are today? Sure. So out of university, I mean, I thought I was going to be the CEO of the company. So it's pretty bold, but it was. Um, so also you did have that vision. I love that. I did, but I was really uneducated, and it was not a. Um, it was not an informed vision. It was just a cocky kid, uh, maybe. Listen, vision is vision, right? Humbled <laughs> a little bit, but what I had more of a vision for is. Um, I had the opportunity and, you know, through some of the organizations I was a part of in college to, to lead, to lead people. And I really enjoyed leadership and I really started to think about it in service. Um, but you, you learn so much along the way. And, and maybe the most important thing that ever happened to me, uh, happened my second year or, or third year working for the Coca-Cola company. I was really excited. I got promoted. I lived in Southern California for almost my entire life, basically from three to 24 years old. I lived somewhere in Southern California and um, I got this opportunity to move to Columbus, Ohio, which is really different uh, than California. Uh, It's still a great place. Great people. I had a really great experience in Columbus, but uh, I moved there and I was the, you know, I think I was the youngest or close to the youngest person in the role and, and felt really good about myself and felt like, oh, I'm definitely going to be the CEO and I'm well on my way. And um, during that time, the company had a first, its first reorganization. And given my tenure and the way they made some decisions, I lost my role and was told that I didn't have a position. I even had to like return my company car. Granted, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife also worked for the company uh, and she didn't lose her role. All my friends that hadn't gotten promoted that were back in California didn't lose their role. And so it was a super humbling experience. It's maybe the most important experience in my entire career because it, I, I think if I look back, I think I started to have behaviors that I wouldn't want to have now I started to think about that I had the answers, that I knew what was right, that I knew what to do, that other people didn't have the answers. 
Um, and that little bit of success I had was um, pushing me to, to behave uh, in ways that weren't going to be effective for the long term and certainly weren't going to bring me to any sort of opportunity to be the CEO of the Coca-Cola company. Um, Got to be way more humble uh, and way more curious to be able to, to, to move into a role like that. And so it, it shaped me dramatically because it forced me to make a lot of different choices. Could I handle that my girlfriend at the time didn't have this impact, but I did? Could I handle that and hold on to my relationship to my friends where this didn't occur? What, how was I going to close out the sort of remaining time that I had? And it really was, it really challenged me and really, really forced me to try to figure out what kind of person I was going to be, you know, did I really lean, was I really willing to lean on the tenets of my faith, those types of things. And at the end of the day, I, I, I was able to come through that. I actually, uh, before I was 100% severed from, from the company and got my severance check and everything, there was a role that opened. And because of the way I had behaved and how I had closed some things out with some customers. They're like, we want you to come in and interview for this job. And I was able to kind of move in with the, the company. And fortunately, when we have reorganizations, we do things really differently now. But at that time, that was not you know, always how things were worked out. And so I stayed with the company. But that moment changed me. And it changed me for the better. And it made me... Uh, it that experience shaped me in ways that are still providing benefits for me today. Uh, but I can tell you going through it, it didn't feel that way, but I'm, I'm very grateful for that experience, you know, 19 years later, um, which is, I think a big, a big shaping of, of my career. It certainly sounds like it. Um, well, I mean, and prepared you for, I think, a fundamental shift in the world that's been happening for the last couple of years. Um, when you think about, um, you know, where you were both as a leader and defining vision and thinking about ways of working pre-pandemic, um, and I know we're not post-pandemic by any measure, but we're certainly getting senses of that, can you talk a little bit about how your approach to digital has shifted? Um, you know, we talk a lot also about social media and social channels, but specifically um, around digital. And I know you've held some very big digital roles as well. Um, what has that been like and what has changed for you, whether it's in what you now believe is possible or how much of a priority sort of digital is across, across your role? Sure. I would say, you know, pre-pandemic, um, I actually had moved into our chief digital integration officer position. It's one of the one of the first, if not the first, um, digital commerce sort of leadership role across all of our different businesses. We had them separated at, at various points in time, but this one brought everything together in North America. And we were really focused on the fundamentals and trying to get our fundamentals right from a, you know, a retailer standpoint, just getting SEO and digital shelf right and content copy and, and all those things right. Uh, from a, a commerce standpoint, of course, we were doing really exciting and great things from a digital marketing standpoint with, with the way that we engage with that. But from a commerce standpoint, we were really building out the fundamentals. We were trying to, to figure out our B2B platforms and, and what those needed to look like for the future. And 
we cast a, a really clear vision ar- around delivering a specific sort of revenue target for our system to go after and had clarity around all the different verticals and way we, ways we could go do that and then put the effort against it to go build that out and make it happen. And so that was happening in the back half of 2019 into the beginning part of 2020. And then the pandemic uh, came uh, aggressively and all of a sudden, all of the work that we had done was became front and center and was accelerated and investments came and we were able to really aggressively improve and enhance our capabilities. And, and I think one of the, the biggest things I, I learned is we have to be open to the, to the real-time adjustments that need to be made in, in the marketplace. And, and, and we can't allow legacy perspectives to drive um, all of our decision-making. We have to be really curious about um, the unexpected future that, that arrives. And I think we did some really, we made some really important decisions to make that happen. I, I look at our B2B platform called MyCoke and what's occurred to that over the course of the last um, 20, 20, 20, 24 months. That, that's a, an incredible story of, of growth, of capability building, of better meeting needs to our customers, better meeting the needs of our bottling system. Um, and then I, and then I think about the work that, that that team's doing that I'm not a part of anymore and how it, how it comes through, um, so amazingly with some, some of the new innovations that they're, that they're working on and they're not allowing, sort of the legacy of the foundation to keep them from going after and exploring new opportunities, which I think is really exciting. And then I think in my role today, you know, digital plays a really important, uh, an incredibly important role. I, I think it's one of the key value propositions we can bring to our retail partners uh, with the understanding of, of that we have of what influences consumers, uh, how they can uh, build their media vehicles, how they can build their um, their their commerce vehicles, and the role that we think our brands can play to help support their business. Um, it's something that's really important to them, and it's it's something that's really important to, to us, so that we can reach consumers in the right way. And there's a lot more to learn, and a lot of experimenting and testing happening because I don't believe anybody has it completely figured out. Um, and I think that consumer behavior is is changing pretty rapidly uh, in the in the way that, that things are happening now. And, and we're seeing um, the rise and fall of cases, change behavior. And, and so it's very difficult to forecast. Um, we used to think we could be right. Now we know that we're never going to be right, um, but we have to be prepared to adjust. And what is the role of like insights and analytics as you're navigating this changed consumer? No, I think it's for us, it's a really critical piece. We've, we've got a, a number of proprietary insight vehicles that we use to really understand one, the consumer in order to drive the demand and, and have our brand teams really make meaningful connections and build meaningful relationships with consumers across you know, all of the different uh, verticals in which they can engage with consumers effectively. Uh, so it's, it's, it obviously is core to helping us drive demand and helping us understand how we can make our brands and products better for consumers. But it also um, really allows us to better understand shoppers. So we really have a good understanding 
uh, of a mix of things. We can sort of understand what specific shops happening with specific shoppers in specific retailers and, and, and how they're behaving. But the advantage we have is we can also see what happens across retailers and in the marketplace holistically. So we can help um, our, our customers and we can help build commercial strategies that allow us to effectively connect to um, their drinking moments, uh, the habits that they have, uh, the type of trips that they have, and then start to work on things like conversion and building baskets and things of that nature uh, in a in an O2O way or an omni-channel way, depending on how you want to describe it these days. So that so that we we have incredible products that um, people love and and they'll buy them on impulse and they'll buy more of them. And so we're we the more that, that we can put our brands in front of of people, the more opportunity people get to see uh, the new Coca-Cola Zero, the more they're going to buy it, the more they're going to try it, and then the more they're going to love it. So you got to try it first. Try the new Coke Zero. It's great. I love that. Um, and then last question for you. As you look into the future, what are you excited about um, personally and what's sort of the next mountain to climb for you? Well, there's a couple of things I'm excited about. And I'm really excited about what our company's doing with Brand Coke around real magic. And the reason why I'm excited about that is I think it's tapped into something around the connection and the emotion that humanity wants and the, the relationships that we want to have with each other and how we want to rebuild the trust with one another. And I think there's a lot of things happening that are, that are um, taking away from the, the, the trust of our, of our civilizations. And I think businesses and individuals have an opportunity to start to bridge some of those gaps and create reminders of, of, of how we can do things together uh, because so much of how we made it through the first part of the pandemic was about how we found ways to make it through together. And so now we've got to come out of this and find those ways again. And so I, I have belief that that's going to happen. And I'm excited about the voice that some of our brands can play to help encourage that um, from a business standpoint. And, and I'm really excited about um, the role that we can play to refresh the world and make a difference as we emerge out of the pandemic. I think for me personally, I'm most excited about the opportunity to continue to learn and to work with incredible people that I get to learn from uh, and to to, to continue to build on the foundation of, of the work that we've done this year to accelerate our growth, the growth of our bottling system, the growth of our customers in meaningful ways so that we can you know better meet the needs of consumers. And I think we've got a lot of opportunity to do that. And I'm really thrilled to be in a position to try to help make that happen. Brian, thank you so much. This was such an incredible conversation. I could talk to you for a lot longer about so many of the things you've raised, but I know we uh, we need to pause there. Can't wait to, to stay in touch and hear more about how all these rollouts go. That sounds great. Thanks so much for the time today and the opportunity and, and uh, looking forward to future conversations as well. Take care. Thanks so much, Brian. 